Welcome to the Faith Broadcast. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe this message will encourage you, it will inspire you, and it'll help you live the supernatural lifestyle of faith. We want you to live this supernatural lifestyle of faith, not have supernatural moments, but have it as a lifestyle. So we put all of this content out for you to receive so you can grow and live the life that Jesus made available for you. To find more information about our ministry and our resources, you can visit us at FCCGA.com or you can download our Faith Plus app. Our Faith Plus app has thousands of hours of faith building content and it's available in your app store right now. Open your heart. God's going to share something special to you through this message. God, go with me to Psalm 84. You can find my notes in the Faith Plus app as well as the YouVersion Bible app. Let's go to Psalm 84. When I was praying about what to share today, you know, there's some things I wanted to share concerning like all the wonderful things that happened this week. And as I started meditating on turning on my heart, I was like, you know what, that's going to be the message. So we rearranged the order of experience a little bit to go with this message and share some of the behind the scenes that took place and all the wonderful things that God is doing. Amen. Amen. Psalm 84, verse 11. The scripture we're looking at a lot for the last three weeks to a month. It says, for the Lord, God, is a sun and shield. Another translation, he is our sun and our shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. He gives grace, he gives glory, and he doesn't withhold good things to those who walk correctly before him. Amen? Now go with me to Hebrews 4, and we'll pick up to where we left off last week as we took a journey to the throne of God. Hebrews chapter 4. And of course, for all of you who are newer, whether you're here in person or online, we make all of our messages for free available on our Faith Plus app, as well as our YouTube channel, as well as our podcast channels. So you can go ahead and catch up with what we've been studying and diving into lately. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. It's a scene then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let that sink in. Jesus was tempted with everything. The majority of people on this planet have never been tempted with everything. You've been tempted with some things, and some things more than once. But not everything you can be tempted by. Jesus was tempted with everything that could be a temptation, yet he beat it all. So you have a high priest, you have a savior who gets it. So when you're feeling tempted to do whatever, understand that your Messiah already beat it, and he is someone you can go to. It's like, Jesus, this is tough. Jesus, this is a struggle. Jesus, I really don't want to forgive that person. I'd rather follow the spirit of LL Cool J because mama said, knock him out. That's what I want to do, Jesus. That's what I feel tempted in doing right now. <laughs> Jesus has been there. Jesus gets it. Some of you relate to that. Well, let me talk to you single people. Jesus was single his entire life. He gets it. Now, you think pressure's being thrown out at you, single person. What type of pressure do you think was thrown at Jesus, the Messiah? If he could beat it, you can beat it. And you could do it wholly. As I've said before, I'll say it again. God has called us to be holy, not whole-like. In 2023, holiness is still right. Oh, God expects me now. Yes, that's, he didn't change just because the year changed. Lord, have mercy. It's not the message. But yes, I know it was a little bit cool this morning. Yes, I know it's getting close to cuddling season. I know you want somebody as the holidays get closer. But don't let your need for somebody cause you to compromise. And as you compromise, you settle for a counterfeit the enemy sent. And you do what you do, then you wake up in the morning, look as the devil. Don't compromise. Well, pastor, I don't want to be lonely. Look, baby, it's better to be lonely 
than married and connected to crazy. Mm -hmm. There we go. Jesus, yeah, Jesus. <laughs> we'll come back to that sometime. You have to understand, you got to understand. See, this is not the message, but you got to understand that it's okay to be by yourself. It's okay to be just you. Enjoy your own company. You stop saying, well, my life begins when I get married. Says who? The Bible doesn't say that. Because does your life end if you're not married anymore? No. Your life is not over just because you're not married. It doesn't mean your life hasn't started because you're not married. You mean God can't use you by yourself? You have to be comfortable knowing that you and God are good. That if it was just you and Jesus for the rest of your life, you'd be good. Now the thing is, if you have a desire to be married, because not everybody has a desire to be married. But the thing is, if you want to be a complete whole spouse, you need to be good just you and Jesus before you start marrying. Why? Because if not, he's like, oh, that's my better half. So you got two broken people trying to get together? That's going to cause drama. That's going to be messy. Because you're going to look at that spouse to meet all your needs, and that spouse's name is not Jehovah Jireh. And so you look at them to meet all your needs, and of course you're in your Disney love fantasy moment. Oh, everything is great. But when everything hits the fan and you realize that they can't feel all the pieces in your part, now you're bitter. Now the grass looks greener on the other side. So now you go back to those dating apps you used to find that person, and you start swiping to see if there's somebody else. Because you expected the person you married to meet all your needs. That's not even biblical. How about you get good by yourself first? Because maybe, just maybe, because some of you say, like, oh, I always pick the, you know, everybody's crazy out there. You know, everybody I date is crazy. There's a common denominator, sweetheart. <laughs> maybe if you got good with God first, you realize you would stop picking the wrong person. Verse 16. A lot of people mess up their lives because you're playing around with stuff you have no business playing with. You're entertaining relationships like I told you to leave a long time ago. A long time ago. But it's cold. The holidays are coming. You tied up auntie talking about how long you're going to be single. Be okay with just you. That'll make you set up for a healthy marriage and set up to have a healthy family. So you're not looking for your kids to fulfill you. So many of you are putting undue pressure on your children because you're not whole yourself. And because you feel like you missed out on stuff, you think your kids owe you. Well, pastor, I brought them in the world. Oh, whoa, 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 yes. Oh, you may have brought them in the world, but they were God's gift to you. God gave you the responsibility of raising them as kingdom citizens and then releasing them into the world to fulfill their kingdom assignment. Well, they should go what I went through. Says who? They shouldn't go through what you went through. They should start on your shoulders. They should go farther than you go because they have you as the launching pad. But if you don't get good with you and God first, you will try to exact punishment from everybody around you because you ain't good and you ain't whole. If we want kingdom families, we got to understand what the Bible actually says. And we have to be whole ourselves if we want to have whole families. Because if not, what be very unbiblical, and we wonder why this faith stuff doesn't work for us, is because you're trying to apply your faith in a way that doesn't line with the word. 
your fulfillment has to come from your relationship with God. Your fulfillment has to come from you doing what God called you to do. Now, you might say, well, pastor, well, I blew it because, you know, my kids are grown. Okay, you blew it. Did you repent? Yes, then move on. You say, well, God can restore? Yes, he can. God can restore your family. He can make it right. He can make it whole, and he can do it by this Thanksgiving. Well, how? Ask him. You ask everybody else? You ask everybody else but Jesus. You ask ChatGPT, you ask every AI assistant, oh, what should I do about this? How about you just do a proverb says, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Now, some of you might say, well, I didn't have parents who did that for me. God can fill in the gap. I've met so many people who said, well, my parents didn't do what I needed, but I saw how God brought somebody in their life who filled the role. Whether it was a teacher or coach, somebody at church, they stepped in, filled the role, and were to them exactly what they needed. So do you know what you need to do if you had somebody step in like that for you? And if they're still living every Mother's Day, every Father's Day, you celebrate the mess out of them. You honor them because they filled that gap for you. They may not be your natural parent, but if they fill that gap, you show honor. God knows how to fill the gaps. He knows how to meet the needs. So let's make sure we put pressure on our covenant, not on people. Put pressure on your covenant with God, not on people. Because when you put the pressure on the covenant, you take the pressure off your spouse. When you put pressure on the covenant, you take this pressure off yourself. When you put pressure off the covenant, you take it off your kids. Because some of you put so much pressure on your kids, and once they leave the house, they don't talk to you about stuff. And you want to raise them in a such a way that when something happens in life, they call you. Not that they'll call you ever again. And you just wonder on special days, oh, they're going to call today. No. God has called you guys to do life as a family. Do you know he, he orchestrates families? He puts people together. He anoints families. He graces families. He anoints them to do life together. Now, everybody will say yes to the plan of God, but you have to realize that God puts you together for a reason. And you have a part to play. Now, some people walk away from their part or do different things that cause you to separate. Don't think that you're going to be without just because someone else was foolish. Well, what I do, Pastor, put pressure on your covenant. God, I know you'll meet the need. I know you'll meet the emotional need. I know you'll meet the relational need. I know you'll meet the financial need. I know you'll meet this need. I know you'll meet the wisdom need. That's who he is. That's what he does. You have to realize your family is not your God. God is your God. Let's take a little bit further. Your job is not your God. Take a little bit further. Whatever political party you like ain't your God. God is God. Let him be God. And you follow him. Then he'll lead you in a way where you actually have a life you enjoy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have and enjoy life to the full till it overflows. He wants the life you have personally in your family, in your work life, everything you do to be enjoyable. So many times it's not enjoyable because we're not doing it right. And you put it off, well, in the sweet by and by, I'll get to heaven and my life will be good. That's great. It will be good then, but why start there? That's not the plan of God for you to enjoy life once you die. He wants you to enjoy life now. He wants you to experience so much heaven on earth that when you get to heaven, you're already familiar. He wants heaven on earth. That's what he wants you to experience. Verse 16, I think. We'll see. It could happen. <laughs> Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So come boldly. It didn't say tiptoe. 
walk up in there like you deserve to be there. Well, do you deserve to be there because you did a lot of good things this week? No, no, no. You deserve to be there because Jesus did everything right. So you go boldly to the throne of God knowing that Jesus made a way and Jesus made a spot for you. Ephesians 1 and 2 says that we're seated with him in heavenly places far above all things. So guess what? Guess what? Guess what? you got a spot for you at the throne of God. So you boldly come to him because you know you belong there. And notice one of the reasons you come, that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This word mercy is, means kindness or goodwill towards those in need or trouble. Join with a desire to help them. It is an expression of God's kindness and goodness. It is God's favor shown towards his people. This mercy is kindness or goodwill toward those in need or trouble. Join with a desire to help them. It is an expression of God's kindness and goodness. It is God's favor shown told his people. Now, this word grace, we know grace is over 20 different definitions in the New Testament alone. But here we see grace is God's help and assistance. In this verse, we see this is God's grace is his help and assistance. Not just any help or any assistance. Because, you know, some people can offer help, but you really don't want their help. It's like, I'm glad you want to help me. I appreciate the heart, but your help is not exactly what I need at the moment. You know, like if you have a toddler, and it's like, oh, I want to help you clean. Now, you appreciate they accept the help because you want to train them to clean so that by the time that they can actually do it, they know what they're doing. So don't say, oh, they're little, so they can't help. No, no, no. If they want to help, train them to help. So when they can actually do it, you don't have to worry about it. You got a kid who likes to clean? That's a blessing from the Lord. Train them. <laughs> Let the Lord use them. But how many know that a two-year's help cleaning the kitchen floor may not be exactly what's needed because they may clean and spill Cheerios at the same time? <laughs> you appreciate the heart, but it's not exactly the help that you need. But the help that comes from God is exactly what you need. It's not just exactly what you need, but it shows up exactly when you need it. That's the type of grace it's talking about here. You come before the throne of grace, you receive mercy and the exact help you need exactly when you need it. So the message version says it this way. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. That's so good. Say, take the mercy, accept the help. One more time, say, take the mercy, accept the help. So we boldly go to the throne of grace, and we take mercy, and we accept the help. But you know one of the ways we do it is by prayer. Now, so we talked about last week how to come before God. We know we come before him in praise and thanksgiving and worship. We know how we adjust our mindset according to the Lord. We come before him, but we receive help and this mercy, this grace by prayer. Now, sometimes... With prayer, especially if you're younger, I know some of you have been with me for a while, so you know more accurately things of prayer, but some of you are newer, it's like, well, I don't know what to pray. And so our prayer life becomes kind of random, and we throw stuff trying to see if it works. Hopefully it sticks. So throw up this prayer, see if it works. But we should become more exact and precise in our prayer life. And today with the time I have left, I want to show you at least two things that you need to pray for. Two things that manifest as help when you need it the right help, the exact help. Two things that you should ask for. Say two things, two things. I should ask for. So go to 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and we'll talk about the first thing you should ask for. This is something everybody should ask for. Not just people you think, oh, the super spiritual should pray for this. No, no, no. Every single person who is part of the body of Christ should ask for this. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting with verse 6. But, but this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound or overflow toward you, that you always have all sufficiency, and all things may have an abundance for every good work. 
As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies, say supplies. supplies. That word supply also means minister, it means provide, it means to add, and it means give. So God supplies, ministers, provides, adds, and gives seed to the sower and bread for food. So may the one who supplies seed for the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. So God wants to supply you with seed and multiply the seed that you sow. Say, God wants to supply me with seed, and then he wants to multiply the seed that I sow. So number one today, ask God for seed. Ask God for seed. Why? Because what you sow multiplies. I'm talking about before you get your harvest. It says God will multiply the seed that you sow. Did it say he multiplies your harvest? It didn't say that. What did it say? Go back to that scripture. He will supply and multiply the seed you have sown. So if you want your seed to multiply, you have to sow it. So I would say, example, if you plant one apple seed and you got one apple tree and that one apple trees, one apple tree produced multiple apples, is that normal? Yes. That's the normal process of harvest. Now, if you put one apple seed in the ground and then you got two apple trees, that's different. What happened? Your seed was multiplied. A lot of us just get happy that, oh, I got all the apples from the apple tree. That's good. But God doesn't want you to just have that one apple tree. He wants you to have multiple apple trees. So you need to ask God for seed. Put that in notes, put it in the chat. Say, ask God for seed. Now, a follow-up prayer to that is, God, help me identify the seed. Because sometimes God will give you seed, and he just don't use it for the right purpose. So you ask God for seed, and you ask him for the wisdom so you know what is seed. Now, the question you want to do, follow-up just for your own personal thing, is what can seed do for you? What can seed do for you? Amplified Class Edition of verse 8 says, And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing, come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnish in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. What did Paul attach that to? Sowing seed. So the concept of seed being financial is not something that was created in the last hundred years. Paul talked about it here 2,000 years ago. He compared to giving, compared giving financially to sowing seed. How many of you can see that? How many know that I didn't write 2 Corinthians? That's what he did. So he says, God wants to supply you with seed. So if God wants to give you seed, what do you do? You ask for seed. Now, just kind of to, in reference as before we go to other scriptures, what, you know, we experienced this past week as being host for the Victory Thon and all the wonderful things that happened. You know, last year we got an invite, me and First Lady, to be a part of it. And when we got the invite, we were shocked. Because when we got the invite, they didn't even have our information. They called Bishop up in the north to say, how can we reach care if we want him to be a part? And when I found out, they said, you want me to be a part? Wow. I'm like, I'm just, I say, they want me? Cool. Let's go. And so we were over there, and so when I announced to the team that we're going, the next question my team asked me, well, Pastor, what do you plan to sell? Because they knew if I was going, I'm going with seed in hand. Amen. And so we, me and my wife took seed from our personal lives, and we also took seed half of this ministry, and we presented it. Now, someone asked me this week, one of my spiritual sons, like, well, Eric, if you've ever, when you've ever sold that way, have you ever seen an immediate harvest? And I said, well, the last time I came to this event, I had brought seed, personal seed, and seed for the ministry. While I sat on that stage, God started making things very clear to me about stuff. He started talking to me about things personally, about some plans I was going to make. One of the plans says, don't you do that. And I'm like, but I want to. Don't you do that. I'm like, all righty, I won't do that. 
and other things. He was just giving me wisdom and insight. And then he went further. He started talking to me things concerning this church, this ministry, the direction. So clear that by the time that we finished filming what we filmed, I got back to the hotel room. I called my director of admin. I says, we need to do this, 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 and this. He's like, woo. He's like, I love it. And I said, what was that result? The seed I sowed. So that seed produced wisdom, understanding, clarity, and directions. Just like that. That seed was released, and that's what came to pass. So fast forward about 10 months this summer, you know, because one of the things I had in my heart last year is that I don't want to sow the same amount next year. I want to sow more. It's on my heart to sow more. I want to increase the seed that we've sown. And so, you know, just in our personal life, and the church, well, what can we do? What can we multiply? And just in the natural, we didn't have a larger seed to sow. And I'm talking about on the team, well, what can we do? What can we sow? It's on our heart to sow more. Now, it was just an internal conversation. So I go to Texas for the Southwest Believers Convention, and I'm just hanging out there before one of the next sessions. And one of the people over events for the ministry walks by and says, hey, Carrick, we're thinking about doing something different for Victory Thumb this year. Would you be open for us coming to your church? And I said, of course we would. And they asked, well, what would you charge? I said, no, 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 no. I said, this is my seed. I've been looking for a seed. I said, this is my seed. We're not charging you anything. Come on. And so what we did last Sunday was a seed. And it wasn't just a seed of having a building because a number of you stayed to help serve. That was a seed. Now, the thing is, not just the building, so people who've helped us maintain the building, who've helped us do different projects around the lands and given to the building, that's part of your seed. But then also, people who serve, that's part of your seed as well. So much so that when we got a chance to talk to some of the leadership of KCM this past week, they said, we've heard reports from all of our team of how amazing your team is down there. They are amazing. They are loving. They made us feel so welcome. They did, like we're listening to the leaders talk about you guys. And they said, this is not like what we experience everywhere we go. They said, it was just so amazing. It was your seed. And so what happened? We're sitting here. We've sown the seed, just here to be a blessing. And the opportunity opens up for us to preach. And then they called me on Tuesday and said, Pastor, we want you to come out here. I said, come on. I said, well, what would you like me to do? We want you to preach. I said, oh, you, you want me to preach? <laughs> I'm okay to support it, but you want me to preach? And so I get up there, and then I look at the clock and how much time they gave me to preach. I'm like, whoa. And here's Pastor George and Brother Jesse said, take your spot. And so here I am preaching all around the world because a seed that was sown. And then afterwards, we were able to share with some of the leadership of KCM just a heart that said it was a seed. And then they quoted something that one of the other preachers said that night that said, your seed spoke for you. Your seed has a voice. And the voice of your seed can go to places you never thought you could get into. You never thought we're waiting for you, but your seed talks for you. Your seed talks so well, you don't got to open your mouth. What was the heart? Sowing a seed. Just want to be a blessing. And it opened doors, not just for what just happened, but for other stuff that's going to happen. It was a seed. Ask God for seed. Because sometimes it is financial. Other times he'll show you something that you have that is a seed. I know recently I was at one of Bishop Butler's conventions. And, you know, we were planning to, it was one of the last nights and we were there. And, like, some of the people came up to me right before church. I mean, right before this. Like, hey, we're going to honor Bishop and we want you to be a part. They said, we're going to present him this, that, and the other. And I'm thinking, like, could you tell me in advance? I was like, you know, I even told us that I'm a millennial. I don't carry that much cash. It's like, can we cash app it or something? And I'm thinking, like, man, I want to sow something, but I don't have seed 
to sell. But something that happened just a few hours before then. Someone came up to my wife and I and they said, we just want to bless you and give you this so you guys go have a nice lunch. We didn't have time to have lunch that day, but then I realized I have a seed. And so that night, I got to join with all these other people and be a blessing to Bishop and Pastor Deborah. And did you know before the night was over, God gave me five times back what I sowed that night? He gave me a seed. And I was able to sow. Ask God for seed. Because remember, even that night, the person who was receiving uh, the offering that night and doing different things, uh, she pastors the church in Nairobi, Kenya. So, Pastor Jeannie, if you're listening, I blame you, but I know you'll take credit for this. <laughs> but while she was talking about saying, well, pray about what the Lord would have you to give in the future toward this ministry and toward KBM. And so, you know, I'm just obedient, bow my head and pray, and the Lord gives me a number. I said, excuse me? <laughs> because that number is beyond me right now. But one of the things the Lord had said through her, it says, believe that you'll receive it from the same place you receive your healing from and you receive the anointing from. And so we are going to give a huge amount to do what KBM's doing all throughout the world, far beyond this church has ever done. How's he going to do it? Supernaturally. He's going to give us seed to sow. I remember a number of years ago, I was asking God, I said, God, I see financial miracles in my life all the time. I said, why don't I see financial miracles where, you know, the church as an organization is concerned? And he said very simply, he says, well, you sow personally. I said, ooh, we don't sow as a church. And I said, well, we're going to change that today. And we started doing it. And we started seeing miracles. God gives you seed to sow. So ask him for seed. And when he gives you seed, ask him, well, what is this for? Ask him, is this for seed? Is this for me to enjoy? Is this to knock this bill out? Is it to do that? Ask him. And he'll tell you what to do. Let's see what else seed can do for you. Now, Second Chronicles chapter 1 is what happens at the beginning of King Solomon's administration. Here's what happened at the beginning of King Solomon's administration. Second Chronicles chapter 1 verse 1. What can seed do for you? Now Solomon, the son of David, was strengthened in his kingdom, and the Lord, his God, was with him and exalted him exceedingly. And Solomon spoke to all Israel, to the captains of thousands and of hundreds, to the judges and to every leader in all Israel, the heads of the fathers' houses. Then Solomon and all the assembly went to the high place that was at Gibeon, for the tabernacle of meeting with God was there, which Moses, the servant Lord, had made in the wilderness. But David had brought up the ark to carriage of Jerem to the place David had prepared for it, but he had pitched a tent for it at Jerusalem. Now the bronze altar that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, he put before the tabernacle of the Lord. Now one of the things about Bezalel, or Bezalel, as you see his name here, is he's the grandson of Hur, who was a leader in Israel, right? But once you learn about this guy, is that God anointed him to be creative. So sometimes when generational anointings are passed down, he does it a different way. This leader of Israel has a grandson who God said, I have anointed him to create everything in the tabernacle. Do you know what type of skill that took to create that? Could you imagine that anointing? See, this generation anointing increased to where this kid was supernaturally creative. So if we have kids who are creative, they're anointed to do that. Guard their creativity because there may be some things God wants to create in the earth through them. And what they create is not just a reward to them, but a reward for your faithfulness. Don't tell your kids to walk away from the creator because, oh, you can't get a job that way. No, 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 no. If that's what God has called them to do, then you encourage them down that path. Because one of the reasons we're in the spot we are in as a nation is because we ran away from the arts. We ran away from creating things. We ran away from creating entertainment. We ran away from creating the things we should be creating. But if God's kids will come up and keep creating, then there would be so many high-quality, excellent alternatives. And through those excellent alternatives, you can reach generations. Solomon and the assembly sought him there. So they come before the Lord. And Solomon went up there to the bronze altar before the Lord, which was sat at the tabernacle meeting, and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. Not one. Normally, you just do one, right? Make an offering, just one. This brother, at the beginning of his administration, offers 1, 
thousand burnt offerings. I think that's a seed. On that night, say that night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask, what shall I give you? His seed opened the door for him to receive from God. And Solomon said to God, you have shown great mercy to David, my father, and have made me king in his place. And now, O Lord God, let your promise to David, my father, be established, for you have made me king over a people like the dust of the earth and multitude. Now give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people, for who can judge this great people of yours? Then God said to Solomon, because this was in your heart, and you have not asked for riches or wealth or honor or the life of your enemies, nor have you asked for a long life, but have asked wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people over whom I made you king. Wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor such as none of the kings have had who are before you, nor shall any after you have the like. We talk about how wise Solomon was. Well, how did he get that wise? Seed. Seed opened the door for him to receive wisdom. And then God said, because you asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you all this too. So you read through Proverbs and I read through it often. It says, wisdom is the principal thing. Get wisdom. Get understanding. It says it again and again and again. Now you have to wonder, who taught Solomon to desire wisdom? David. David taught his son what to pray. And when he had this opportunity, he prayed that prayer and he got that request. So ask for seed because it sets you up. For wonderful things in your future. Now, to paraphrase for the sake of time, you know, 1 Kings 18 is a very familiar story of Elijah after three years of drought confronting the prophets of Baal. After the prophets of Baal performed all day long and Baal never answered. Got to the end of the day that Elijah started mocking them and says, Maybe he's asleep, wake him up. Maybe he went on vacation. Maybe he's using the restroom. Call louder. And then it says, time drew near to the evening sacrifice. Sounds like a time to present an offering. Sounds like a time to present a seed. He gathered all Israel before him. They brought the sacrifice. Would you ever think in a three years of drought, any sacrifice is precious? But do you know what's, ex what's really precious? Water. Then it says, take these four huge barrels, these pitchers of water, and cover the sacrifice. It's a drought. You don't just be pouring water out. They did it once. He said, do it again. Then he said, do it again. So it says that the sacrifice and the altar is completely drenched, and there's so much water, it fills the trench to its overflowing around the altar. And what happened? He prayed. And what happened? Fire came down from heaven, licked up the sacrifice, the stones, and all the water. And all Israel fell down and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I guess so. But what happened at the end of the chapter in verse 45? It began to rain. And it said it was a heavy rain. What happened? Elijah obeyed God. He poured out water. And before the day was done, there's a harvest from that seed. What can seed do for you? Now, here's some things you need to be mindful of after you sow your seed. Go with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Things to be mindful of after you sow your seed. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Now, I remember a number of years ago, I think I was 12 at the time. And of course, this church was in the old building back then. And back then, we would have, you know, multiple services a day. And so I'm like, well, I already gave him the first offering, so I'm good, right? Don't look at me like that. You think the same way. I already gave him one offering today, Jesus. I'm good. Don't look at me like that. Anybody else think that way? I gave once. I'm good, right? So that was my thought. I, I'm 12. I already gave. I gave him my allowance. I'm, I'm doing pretty good, right? And so the offering bucket is passing me by. And I'm just going to let it pass me by. Not saying don't pass me by, I'm like, pass me by. And as it was passing me by, my grandma reaches the bucket and grabs it. And she says, Are you gonna give? And I said, I already gave. And then she quotes Ecclesiastes 11 to me and says, Don't ever 
miss an opportunity to sow. And he says, if you ever don't have anything to sow, ask me, I'll put something in your hand for you to sow. And this is what she taught me in that moment. Verse 4, he who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way of the wind or how the bones grow in the womb of herbs with child, so you do not know the works of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed. And in the evening, do not withhold your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, either this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So one of the things you should do is keep sowing. Because if you continually sow, guess what would eventually happen? You will continually reap. And so that's something I learned as a 12-year-old. And so that's what's something I've been endeavoring to do since then. And I'm not just saying this, what are the things, you know, I heard about it, and I've seen other people do it. It's like, no, this was something that was so ingrained in our entire family. I saw, I've seen my parents do it. I've seen my grandparents do it. I've seen my aunts and uncles do it. I've seen them sow and reap and sow and reap and be blessing to people. Like, I even remember different times my parents would be a blessing to people, but they knew if the person who was receiving the blessing would receive it from them, they knew it came from them, so they would misspell their name, so they wouldn't know that it came from them. I watched this principle my entire life of what happens when you sow and what happens if you're a blessing. And I've seen harvest come in, come in, come in, come in. Because, you know, harvest is generational. So this harvest I'm reaping based off of my parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents' faithfulness. There are things that happen in my life and my brother's life that are just wild. I'm talking about wild. Now, some of y'all know my stories, but my brother's got some stories, too. There's one that's happening for him right now. He's posted about it, but I'll let him share it maybe differently, that he has favor in such a way that the rest of Hollywood doesn't have. But he's got it. And he's doing things that the Lord's called him to do, and God opened the door for him. But I'll just share this one story, because he shared this one publicly a long time ago, is that, you know, he's a filmmaker, cinematographer, does pictures. He does a lot of things in that arena. And, you know, he had cameras, and he's even the one who advised me some of the cameras that I have myself now. And there was this really, really, really nice lens, right? He never, he never bought it, but he knew it was one of the best of the best of the best. And so something happened, and either he or my dad needed to rent a car, and so they turned in the car, and the, the people that rented the car called him back and said, hey, you left your lens in the car. And they said, I don't know, we didn't leave, and they described the lens, and we said, none of us ever had that lens. They said, well, come and pick up, it's yours. And they said, well, no, call the people who had the car before us. I said, no one's had this car in six months. We called them, and they said, we don't have lenses either. And so my brother went and picked up that lens with great joy. He might say, well, where did it come from? Well, we just said it must have been an angel. Well, why was that a normal conclusion for us? Because we've seen it. We've seen it. What can seed do for you? Genesis 8.22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer and day and night shall not cease. The principle of seed time and harvest will keep on working. If, this, if it's cold this morning, how many of you was kind of cool this morning? This is Atlanta. You know it's going to be hot in about five minutes, right? You see both principles right here in Georgia today. You see day and night, summer and winter, both still here. So so is seed time and harvest. So no, there's time to sow seed, and there's time before the harvest shows up. So don't be discouraged just because it's not always an immediate return. Sometimes the return is like that. Sometimes the return takes time. So in the time that it takes, don't kill your seed. Well, how can I kill my seed? By running your mouth. Here's another way to kill your seed. Jealousy. Well, I don't know why God blessed them. They buried them holy for five minutes. I don't know. If I was God, I wouldn't do that. Stop being jealous. Stop being petty. Stop being ratchet. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't kill your seed with the words of your mouth or with jealousy. Don't kill your seed with doubt and fear. 
keep believing, then God will cause that help to show up exactly when you need it. Go with me to Mark chapter 4, verse 26. What can seed do for you? We said to pray for seed, so I'm telling you what seed can do for you. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Jesus also said the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters seed on the ground. Night and day while he's asleep or awake, the seed sprouts and grows, but he does not understand how it happens. The earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade. Say first. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then, say then. The heads of wheat are formed. And finally, say finally. The grain ripens. As soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and harvests it with its sickle, for the harvest time has come. Notice the production of the seed. There was a leaf first, and then there was more, and then there was more, and then the full harvest was there. But I submit to you that it's going to show up again. The seed can produce multiple times. So sometimes when the first harvest shows up, the first part of the harvest shows up, we get so excited, and then we let go of our faith. Woo, I got some. I'm glad you got it. But there's more. I said there's more. This is what seed can do for you. God doesn't forget a seed sown, but too bad his people do. You forget, well, I sowed, and you forget. No, no, no. You keep that in mind. said, I'm a sower. I'm generous. So I'm always going to have a return. you got to expect stuff to happen to you. You know, there's some things we do because, you know, remember, not every seed is financial. God will show you seed to do. Some of the seed is stuff you do. He tells you to do. That, you know, there's times I've gone different places around the nation and you know, stuff that either me or both me and First Lady have to do where we're ministering in different places, different ministries, different things. And that means that in the time that when our kids are with us, that's, you know, a lot of traveling on them. But you know, every place we go, wherever they stay, God pours out favor on them to such a point that it doesn't even make sense. It doesn't, like, we, they were staying at one resort, and I'm working all day long. I mean, it's been an all-day thing. It's been like 6 a.m. till 9-something at night, maybe 10, and I come to have dinner with them at the end, right? It's been an all-day thing. And so I'm getting reports of what their day was like. And so they're at one resort, and it began to rain, so they couldn't go to the pool, Right? So they go inside because it's a downpour, and they said, well, how about you guys play video games for free for the next hour or whatever? <laughs> and so I'm on the phone, and that's what they're telling me. And so I said it out loud, and some of the ministers were with us, wow, that's amazing. And my mom has to be standing there. So well, that actually happens to them all the time. What is that harvest from me being where I'm supposed to be? So while I do it, it was several hours, my wife said, several hours, not just one hour, several hours. Because you know how much money you can make off of arcade games that people are playing for several hours? Yeah, my kids were playing for free. I'm handling the business God gave me to do, and God said, I got your kids. Seed. What can seed do for you? Some seeds are financial. Some seeds are stuff you already have. Some seeds are the actions he tells you to do. And they are to keep producing. So number one, ask for seed. And after you ask for seed, make sure you have the listening on the inside when things come in your hand. Well, God, what should I do with this? Is this all seed or is this part harvest? Is it seed to sow or is it bread to eat? Because not everything that comes to your hand is for you to give away. Some things are. Some things are for you to keep. Some things are for you to save. So how do you determine? You ask the Lord, what is the purpose of this? Because there are times he'll just give you like something. I remember one time that he brought some in my hand. I was in another state, and someone came up and blessed me with something. And I said, okay, Lord, what should I do with this? He says, you know those two shoes, those Converse, those trucks that you wanted, but you won't spend your own money to get? He says, there you go. Go buy them. I'm like, well, praise the Lord. <laughs> another time he said, I knew someone come up had to pay for it. He said, you pay for this and give the rest to missions. Yes, sir. Sometimes he'll use you as a distribution channel because he know he can trust you to get it to the person who needs it. Ask for seed to sow. I know some of you have been doing this for a long time, but we'd have so many new people here. You got to understand this is how this thing works. This is one of the ways God releases his goodness, his grace, his glory in your life. It's through seed. 
As you already saw in the scripture, the kingdom of God works like someone sowing seed. And it's not even all the scriptures on it. We could go for another several weeks on the sermon series. But this is how you live. Because if you live sowing, you will live reaping. And the harvest will be generational. Now, something you want to do for those of you who may be receiving someone being a blessing to you or receiving seeds sown in your life. I know I'm training up a number of ministers here, but also if you're just any person who someone's blessing you and you know that it's because they're sowing a seed or just in general sowing blessings, here's a good practice to do. You don't have to do it right there with them unless they request you to pray with them right there. But when you get back between you and God, you receive it and you pray over it. It's one that happens I got into years ago. I wanna, here's what I pray. How many want to know what I pray when I, I receive? Because it's something that you should do too. I said, Father, I received this with Thanksgiving. I'm so grateful for what they sowed into my life. Now, Father, I pray that you bless them where they need it, bless them where they desire it, and bless them in a way that is going to be a complete surprise. I pray that you cause all grace to abound towards them so they have all sufficiency in all things and they abound to every good work. Angels go forth and help them. That's what I pray. That's what you should pray too. Because what happened, you're receiving, and now that you receive, you're releasing your faith for someone else to be blessed as well. You want to be a person who's good ground so that anytime someone blesses you, they get a good harvest. And one of the ways you do that, yes, keep your heart right, yes, live according to the word, but also when you receive things, receive it with gratefulness and pray over it and release the blessing. All right, for sake of time, I'm going to give you the second one. So it's the number one, ask for seed, to ask for seed. Number two, ask for open doors. Say ask for open doors. Colossians chapter two, excuse me, Colossians chapter four, verse two and three says, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open for us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also Change. One of the things you'll see a lot in Paul's writings, and if you understand his view of ministry, is that Paul believed in doors. You see it often in the scripture, he's praying, says, ask God to open to us a door. Or he talks about a door the Lord opened for him. 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9 says, but I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. What are doors? There are openings into new places. So you can see a door as an entrance into a place God's called you to be, an entrance into business, an entrance into certain types of realms of influences or authority, entrances into you've been believing God for. You say, oh, God, I just keep trying to get into this area. This is not working. Ask for a door to open for you. Ask for doors. Another way to say doors today would be an opportunity. Doors are opportunities. Now, just because the door opens doesn't mean there won't be challenges. Just because the door opens doesn't mean there won't be adversaries, as Paul says here. Just because the door opens doesn't mean that there won't be people who understand haters and all types of naysayers. But you can't pay attention to the adversaries. You have to walk through the open door. Or you have to take advantage of the opportunity. Let's close with Ephesians 5.15. As a see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil or troublesome. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That phrase, redeeming the time, is actually translated, take advantage of every single opportunity. It comes from a Greek phrase which paints a picture of somebody going to the marketplace looking for the best sales. Is anybody here, you're really good at finding sales, right? You're like, I can find a sale anywhere. And you're not going to pay too much for it, but you're going to pay the right price and you're going to get it at a bargain. That says, those of you who have that mindset when it comes to buying stuff in the marketplace, that's how you need to view opportunities. Just like you wouldn't miss a sale, the scripture says don't miss an opportunity. So we're praying for doors, but when the doors open, we have to be ready to take advantage of the opportunity. So while you wait for the door to open, you prepare yourself. You get ready. 
You can't just have a door open, the door's open, oh, I don't know what to do. No, 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 you got to be ready. You got to be ready to take advantage of it and walk through the open door. And so just two things, there's other things where I, for sake of time, won't go forward. But you want to ask for seed, and you want to ask for open doors. One of the prayers Paul prayed, had the church pray for him often was an open door of utterance. And so that's one of the things I ask you guys to pray for me, pray for utterance, an open door of utterance, so that anytime I stand before this holy desk or the faith and more and all the other things I send out, that God gives me the exact words to say that minister to you where you need it. That's part of the prayer for doors. It unlocks things. One of the things about this type of prayer, praying for seed and doors, they unlock things that God has put on the inside of you. I'll say it again. Seed and doors unlock things that God's put on the inside of you. That you've been carrying around wonderful things. You don't even know they're there. Jesus calls your heart a storehouse or a treasure house. And God has put things on the inside of you. But the way you live before him, and especially as you sow and ask for open doors, he will open things on the inside of you. And you'll be in a situation and things just flow out. And it's exactly what's needed. Notice what I said, exactly what's needed at exactly the right time. And you wondered, where did that come from? It's that what you prayed for, that seed, that open door, that manifestation of the grace of God, the manifestation of the help of God. Ask for seed. Ask for open doors. Ask God for those things. And guess what? He will give you those things. Because you know what happens anytime you ask for seed or ask for open doors? You are praying according to his word. And what happens when you pray according to his word? He hears you. And if you know he hears you, you with confidence know that he's going to answer. Right? So ask for seed. Ask for open doors. And God will grant you those things. So stand to your feet, and just for a few seconds, what we, guess what we're going to do? Pray and ask for, and, now if you're online, don't log off now, just because we're going to pray, no, 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 you stay. So whether you're online or in this room, we're about to pray and ask for seed and open doors. Are you ready? So Father, we come before you in accordance to your word. You're the one who provides, ministers, supplies, seed to the sower. And you're the one who opens doors that no man can close. So, Father, for each and every one of us, as individuals, as families, or every business and organization and ministry represented here, we ask that you grant us seed to sow. And the wisdom, the insight to know what is seed and what is bread to consume. And we ask, Father, that you grant us open doors, open doors of utterance, open doors of opportunity, entrances into the places you've called us to go, that you open doors for us that no man can shut, that we'll walk through those doors with boldness, not stopped by any adversary, that adversaries that are standing in front of doors will be suddenly removed so that we can walk in. Yep, I'll say that. So in the authority of Jesus, you demonic squatters, Standing in front of doors, God has opened for the people of God. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea like Pharaoh's army and never stand before them again. Doors be opened, seed be granted. In Jesus' name. Thank you for streaming this message. I believe it encouraged you and is to help you make Jesus famous in your everyday life. We would love to be, stay connected with you. So subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, our YouTube channel, download our Faith Plus app, and visit us at FCCGA.com to learn more about our ministry. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can also do so by our website at FCCGA.com or by texting FCCGA to 73256. If you would like to submit a prayer request, you can do so at our website as well. We would love to agree with you in faith, and we know you'll receive an answer according to the Word of God. 
Once again, thank you for streaming this message. And remember, God has a great plan for your life and something good is going to happen to you today. So expect miracles. God bless.